so many startups design a product, they test it with a limited number of users, and then they go and they spend thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on setting up like injection molded tooling. Yeah. They produce 10,000 parts, mm-hmm. 10,000 of their product, they go out to market and they only sell a thousand of them. And they find out that there's one critical flaw and you literally have no money left in the bank to go edit that flaw out of your system. If hardware was more agile, which is really the goal of our company to make mm-hmm. hardware more agile, um, you, you end up in a place where, okay, let me make 800. From Boston, I'm Emma Wright, and this is CIC's Founder Spotlight, highlighting the innovators and founders changing the way our world works. Today, I'll be chatting with Jason Ray, co-founder of Paperless Parts and one of our design town startups, rethinking how manufacturing works. So my name is Jason Ray, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Paperless Parts, a company that's created a manufacturing pricing engine. Um, So what we've done is we've used a combination of different technologies to develop a highly accurate instant quoting system, um, which is used in a variety of different ways, whether manufacturers sending quotes to their customers or coming to our marketplace or um, basically allowing customers to see their instant pricing on their own websites. Well, thank you for the short intro, Jason. I know you're in the thick of launching your product, so thank you again for taking the time out. Um, So to kick it off, do you mind telling me a little bit about your background and how paperless parts got off the ground? So I was was in the Navy Mm -hmm. um, and I was working on additive manufacturing in the Pentagon. And when I got out of the Navy, I kind of went into a consulting position and I actually wanted to buy a machine shop. I was like, I thought, you know, I know a lot about automation. I know a lot about process flow and business. I just got my MBA. So just thinking I was smarter than I really was. Um, <laughs> and I ended up started working to buy a machine shop. And that's how I met one of our co-founders because oh. he was became a mentor to me. And when we started to look into it, he was like, maybe buying a machine shop is not the right thing for you. So we actually have... Wow, we have I have four co-founders. Um, I was actually not the person who came up with the idea for the company. That's the three other co-founders who are actually um, longtime employees of the, one of the largest rapid prototyping companies. So oh, interesting. Really rooted in this domain expertise. So you find a lot of software companies build software for people they never have any experience working with. Right? It's like, I'm going to come up with a solution, I'm going to solve your problems, but I don't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. And Paperless really tries to be deeply rooted in who our customers are. So we want to work with manufacturers, we want to work with prototype buyers, and really um, build solutions that are practical. Right? I don't want to try to force someone to come through this incredible workflow that you would never use in your business because it just doesn't make sense. Um, and it just it just made it made a lot of sense to kind of go towards paperless part. That's great. Yeah. And so you mentioned that um, earlier when we were chatting that you had nine people now, we do. which is huge. Yeah, I, I awesome. didn't realize that. Yeah, we're really couple we're, based here, but we're growing up. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And we're scattered around a little bit, but we've tried to mm-hmm. try to put people in the right positions to be mm-hmm. impactful. So because a lot of what we do relies on the data coming out of our customers operations coming off of their machine. So um, I'll tell you that I met Scott, who's my CTO, um, works with me here at CIC. We actually met while I was going to Babson. He was my best friend's neighbor. Um, really kind of a crazy story. He came back from class one day. Scott was sitting on the couch. Um, this is 2013. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you're beyond intelligent. So I definitely want to work with you at some point. 
And it just so happened that like the timeline worked out perfectly. And when I told him about paperless, he was on board. So uh, that's awesome. And uh, so now you're at this point where you have a great team of co-founders and you've got your funding, your team's growing. Can you tell me a little bit more about where your company is at now? So we launched the platform. We did a soft launch where we really okay. didn't market it very much. We put it mm-hmm. out there. We started processing transactions, which is super exciting because my watch vibrates every time an order comes through our site. So I'm like, Excellent. oh, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Um, but I think the next big milestone for us is like officially launching paperless parts to the world. And hopefully we'll do that here in the next couple of days. Um, we're fin- finishing up a couple of screens and trying to polish things. You know, it's really interesting. I heard I heard a while back that if you're not embarrassed of your product when you release it, like a software product, then you probably waited too long to release it. Mm. So I'm like completely embarrassed of what Paperless Parts is in its current state, and I have to remind myself constantly that it's this is this is great because we're getting such good feedback and so the site is continuing to evolve. And I don't think we've built too many things where people are like, ah, oh, this is a useless feature. I'm never going to use this. And that's that's always kind of a litmus test of did we allocate investor money properly? That sounds like quite a big challenge. And on that note, what would you say have been some of your other big challenges so far? I would say really trying to figure out what steps in the value chain we could add value on was a huge challenge, right? And I'll give you an example of one of the things that we had to figure out, shipping. Shipping alone is such an interesting dynamic for a marketplace because if you're dealing with suppliers that are coming from all around the country, shipping could be hugely impactful. So before Paperless Parts launched, you weren't based in Boston. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience in the Boston ecosystem? It's so interesting because I was living down in D.C. Mm-hmm. and it was, it was lightning speed. In a matter of two weeks, we got our seed investment. We got... Scott came on board full time mm-hmm. and the company started and it was like, oh my God, I have to move to Boston. So in one weekend, flew up to Boston, found a place to live. Just so happens that I was like looking through all the different websites of co-working spaces where we could get set up. We were thinking about maybe running it out of the Babson accelerator. Basically what we said is, I wonder, I wonder if CIC can actually see us. And that's where mm-hmm. Abby was awesome. So I was literally walking from the seaport, having seen an apartment and I was like, called in, I'm like, hey, Abby, can you show me the space right now? Do you have time? And she's like, absolutely. So I came in, we signed the paperwork, it was done. There's so much to think about, like when incorporating a company and getting bank accounts set up. And it's like, oh my God, it's, it can be information overload. And this is super easy. It was walk in, space do you like, here are the desks, we'll set up billing. And it's just like, it happens so fast. And that, I think that's what that's what's really unique about it. And we actually chose this office specifically rather than the Cambridge office because initially we were like, oh, we'll set up in Cambridge. Yeah. Um, but then when we came down here and we mm-hmm. looked around the office and we really kind of started to understand the proximity to everything in the Boston ecosystem, with a young company, you're going to be interacting with like your legal team, you're mm-hmm. going to be interacting with your accountants. All of those people are in an ecosystem that is like within a four or five block radius of the CIC. So like networking events, mm-hmm. uh, we go over to warehouse like one Thursday a month to meet with our like the whole legal team, the whole like group of service providers. And it's cool because being, I find that people don't really get the value in a startup out of those kinds of people, but they're willing to do so much more for you than just like legal work. Like our, our, our 
we work for the guys at Gessmer up to Grove, mm-hmm. and they've introduced us to more people just out of their Rolodex. It's like, it's been incredible. It's like, wow, this is totally worthwhile. The best lesson learned I have is like leverage those people because they know everyone. That makes a lot of sense. And speaking of leveraging resources as well, you guys have done, I know you already put on a panel here at CIC, but like really integrated into the community. Yeah, it um, was awesome. It, being a part of Design Town has been mm-hmm. really cool for us because we're not a traditional design company. So we don't, we don't make, we don't like help people go from, you know, I have this idea to design, but there are a lot of companies that do that. And just being in that ecosystem has allowed us to, you know, host a panel here mm-hmm. and have a lot of people come in. We're really... We're really trying to sell this idea of transitioning hardware from being a state of like static development to being a much more agile process like software. So we're actually going to be hosting a panel later this month. Hmm. Um, the, the theme is agile hardware. And the idea is you as a startup or you as a company, there's no reason you should bet your company on tooling. So many startups design a product, they test it with a limited number of users, and then they go and they spend thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on setting up like injection molded tooling. They produce 10,000 parts, Mm -hmm. 10,000 of their product, they go out to market and they only sell a thousand of them. And they find out that there's one critical flaw and you literally have no money left in the bank to go edit that flaw out of your system. If hardware was more agile, which is really the goal of our company to make Mm -hmm. hardware more agile, um, you, you end up in a place where, okay, let me make 800 mm-hmm. and I'll get 800 out there. And as soon as I get the feedback on that, it's a much more Tesla approach to hardware. It's so like Tesla, they don't do product versions. It's not like you see the Tesla model S like 2017. That's totally, mm-hmm. if they have a change they make, they make the change on the line. The next car that rolls off has that change. Fab Cafe and mm-hmm. Render, they really do an awesome job at providing people that like initial platform mm-hmm. to come in and get your ideas out, right? So one of the one of like the big principles of Babson was rough, right, and rapid for prototyping. And it was like no matter what your idea is, you had to follow these like three excuse me, three R's of prototype. Like rough, right, rapid, always. Prototype everything you possibly can, whether it's you know, taking a piece of styrofoam and carving your product out of that or making it of cardboard, whatever you can do to get prototypes in front of people as fast as possible and get feedback changes the whole product development cycle. It also mm-hmm. makes a huge difference when you're talking to investors because yeah. there's something about someone holding a product in their hands by seeing a PowerPoint because you can go anywhere and have beautiful drawings done of your part and it's, it's a completely different story when it's like, here is my product. Take a look. You know, we put a lot of time here, like the 50 iterations of prototyping. Yeah. Most investors just want to know, I think, that you've tested the market. Like all the things, Mm -hmm. everything you're trying to feed them is actually rooted in some kind of a logic. That's great. Yeah. So you guys provide that, which is even better. Definitely. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) Um, Awesome. So I have one more question. Cool. Um, What, so you've worked in um, fabrication for a while. What is probably the coolest product or something that you've seen or been a part of fabricating? I would say it's like a contest between two. Um, The first one was a fuel injection nozzle for a waste gasification plant. So they used additive to metal additive manufacturing to build all these different channels that allow for like cooling and oxygen flow and basically made it so that this thing was super efficient. Mm. Um, And the other one was a drone that was basically set up as like a mono hull 
of the mm-hmm. drone. So there was like a fan inside. So the thing kind of like hovered and the blades were completely internal to the drone. And they prototyped it in one piece, built the whole drone in one piece, and then 3D printed the blades and everything else. Um, really kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Very Why can't cool. I see that word? Oxygenation. 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 No, I, I can't say it. I, I can't say it either. Well, but, yeah. Excellent. Cool. Thanks so much for taking the time out. Yeah, of um, course. Thank you. It's great. Thanks no, so absolutely. much. Thanks for your time. Definitely. Thanks for listening to another Founder Spotlight at CIC Boston. If you haven't already, you can find more episodes and rate our podcast on iTunes.